Travis Ryer of the BamaOnline.com staff from inside comfortable Coleman Coliseum following the media viewing periods at Tuesday's football practice, the fourth of fall camp 2019 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Again, soupy, probably the best way to describe the conditions out there today on the practice field about what you would expect for August the 6th. Humid, hot, the sun is out. Actually, a little bit of a breeze blowing, believe it or not, but I don't think it's probably doing much to impact the players out there in a very positive fashion. But Alabama out there once again, uh, we're inside after being outside yesterday. Rush uh, preparations here kind of kicked us out of Coleman Coliseum. Speaking of basketball, I uh, did see Jay Billis of ESPN's college basketball coverage out there today. He was alongside... Alabama men's basketball coach Nate Oates. They were taking in the workout, so uh, see a little bit of everybody around here these days. Yesterday it was Ray Perkins, who's kind of a fixture at practices, uh, but Jay Billis, a basketball note out there today with Nate Oates. Uh, speaking of basketball, the Alabama women's basketball team on a tour in Canada right now got a win last night. They're up in that Vancouver, British Columbia area. Uh, I think they play the University of British Columbia tonight out there. So Christy Curry's team on a nice little summertime tour, a little cooler up there in the Pacific Northwest than here in the Southeast. Uh, should be a team this year that contends for an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, that should be the expectation anyway. You've got an NCAA tournament backcourt in Jordan Lewis and Sierra Johnson. Um, been 20 years since Alabama women's basketball made an NCAA tournament. It's crazy, right? Anyway, I know you want to talk football. That's typically what we do here on Instant Analysis. And we'll go around the football team. I actually made the walk. When Alabama practices sort of on that middle practice field, for the most part, you'll have the offensive line on that field. You'll have quarterbacks, receivers on that field. You'll have the running back sort of bordering that second field. Um, even some of the defensive linemen and the sleds are all sort of in that central area of the outdoor practice facility. You can make the trek back around sort of the north, north edge of the outdoor facility, um, crossing over to the west. If you were heading down Bryant, you would be going from the baseball stadium down towards the auditorium. That's the walk you can make to get out to the quarterbacks and receivers. I did that today for you people. That's right just for you. Went out there to get some video uh, as much as anything else. Also got a good look at the safeties and some of the corners working with Nick Saban. And um, you got Vinny Sanceri out there now as a grad assistant helping Charles Huff, excuse me, Charles Kelly uh, with the safeties. Um, Carl Scott still working with the corners. So a lot of activity right there at that corner as well with the quarterbacks and receivers not that far away. But um, We'll get into some quarterback talk, some specific stuff about Talia Tonga-Vailoa as we move throughout the segment. We'll get to some Q&A coming up a little bit later as well. From an injury standpoint, first time in four days of fall camp, we did see Miller Forrestall uh, outside. Uh, he was with a member of the training staff on one of the far fields. Wasn't really doing a whole lot. Looked like he was just trying to move around a little bit with the training staff, but still, Good to see the redshirt junior tight end nonetheless. He was outside today. Uh, so that was a little bit of news to come from the workout. Otherwise, about what we've seen to this point, 
uh, of fall camp. Uh, those positions specifically with LeBrian Ray and Miller Forstall haven't changed a whole lot as we get ready to move into full pads. That'll happen, I think that happens tomorrow. I think there's two days of shells and then they can go into full pads. It's gonna happen either tomorrow or Thursday because you got a full scrimmage uh, coming up on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, look, whether they're in shells or full pads, what you don't see at Alabama practices is a lot of full tackling, if any full tackling. You see mostly thud, uh, as Nick Saban refers to it, tries to prevent injuries, keep people off the ground as much as possible. But uh, watching the secondary today, status quo for those guys back there as well. Uh, did see Scooby Carter with a hamstring strap. He was still going with the twos back there in the secondary. And, you know, Nick Saban, if you're wondering, still coaching those guys up. Coaching those corners up specifically during individual drills. Brandon Turnage, a true freshman from Mississippi that we've talked about that we feel like. And I think it's pretty obvious that this guy has a, a pretty nice future, uh, potentially at least, uh, at Alabama. He was getting some some good one-on-one -on -one with Nick Saban out there. And, you know, if you're a guy like Turnage, that's what you're here for. That's why you came to Alabama. I mean, you want to get coached by well, a guy that many believe to be one of the very best to ever do it uh, on that side of the ball and, of course, as a head coach as well. Um, so I was pretty much with the quarterbacks out there. And so been a lot of talk about Tua Tagovailoa and perhaps the changes he's made to his body and been asked about that a lot, dropped some pounds, dropped a little bit of weight going into this fall camp. Um, and with Tua's body type, I've said this before, unfortunately, I can kind of speak to this. I've got one of those too. Uh, I can drop five pounds, I can drop 10 pounds, and you probably would never know it. The good thing about that is I can probably gain five or 10 and you probably couldn't tell anyway, because uh, you know that's sort of the, the body type, kind of thick, um, and that's Tua. But Talia, looking at him out there, you know, I think he's made some really nice strides, some noticeable strides. If you watched Talia last year or the year before over at Thompson High School uh, at the prep level, you know, he was a guy that you would watch and say, well, when he gets with Scott Cochran and he gets to Alabama or at the time, wherever he was going to go, you knew there were going to be some really positive changes, some noticeable changes coming to his uh, body. And I've, I'm seeing that out there. I was able to get really right up close to the quarterbacks today on that far end. And I thought as much as anything, again, Talia's not as thick from head to toe as Tua is. A little bit more angular, not, not you know, streamlined or, or uh, spindly by any means. You know, he's not built like a three iron, that's for sure. But, you know, I think that Talia has very, very uh, obviously had a really good stretch here of getting his body more along the lines of where it needs to be because during his senior season even, he kind of had some of that uh, extra that a lot of young players have. And uh, that was just something I noticed. I thought all the quarterbacks were pretty good today about what you would expect. Receivers maybe not as consistent catching the football as I'm sure. Holman Wiggins or Jeff Banks, a tight ends coach, would like them to be. Um, but the quarterbacks, for the most part, were, were pretty much on point. Tua is going to be that guy, obviously. Um, they like to get sort of that period going with Steve Sarkeesian. A pat and go is what it's called at a lot of places. You just get the wide receivers running go routes or hitch and goes to kind of get them stretched out and warmed up. Um, and that's where you can also see some of the, the arm talent 
with these guys. And again, you already know it with Tua Tonga Viola, but Mac Jones is a guy that I think over his couple of years now, two and a half years or so in the program, has developed more of that ability down the field. Talia can do it. Uh, Paul Tyson can do it. So those top four quarterbacks uh, showing a little bit of that during individual periods out there this afternoon. But again, you know, for me, just looking at Talia for the first time, really, I, I've paid attention to him anyway. It looks like he's in a really good place uh, physically compared to probably where he was a year ago at this time. I don't even know if he's dropped much weight. It's just that proportionately, uh, I'm sure that Scott Cochran and the people right over across the parking lot have done a lot to help that. Um, any other areas of this team? You know, I was, again, far away from the offensive line. Charlie Potter's going to have that all covered for you in the practice report today, so you're going to want to check that out. Uh, Nick Saban will speak to the media following tomorrow's practice, so that's going to be Nick Saban's next availability for reporters. Today you had Matt Womack, you had Anthony Jennings, you had Raquan Davis around midday speak to reporters. You're going to find all that coverage at BamaOnline.com as well. And so with that, we'll get to Q&A. You got anything for me on this uh, soupy? Yeah, I know. It looks like I got rained on, right? No. By the way, again, you can also, if you subscribe to the Built by Bama online podcast, this is going to drop into your library so you can catch it there anytime we do instant analysis as well. And while you're there subscribing to the pod, feel free to leave us a five-star review. Look, stars matter, okay? We need all we can get. The Ben Davis question, this time packaged with uh, a query about Markel Benton, you know, this first scrimmage coming up Saturday is going to give us a lot better idea of where some of these guys are at in the pecking order, especially from a depth standpoint at outside linebacker where Ben Davis is stationed right now. You know who the top three guys are. I mean, you know it's Anthony Jennings. You know it's Terrell Lewis. You know it's uh, Christopher Allen. But, you know, that sort of cleanup spot, that fourth spot, fourth, fifth, and maybe even sixth, how that, how that plays out with Ben Davis, uh, potentially in that mix, but Jerez Parks, a guy who's been around a little bit now. And you also have the two true freshmen, Kevin Harris the second, and also King Wakuda, who is an intriguing young prospect, who again, as we've talked about before, in terms of measurables and look, he looks like the prototype sort of Jack linebacker. You talked about Markel Benton as well. Benton's similar. Um, right now, it looks to be very much Dylan Moses, of course. It looks to be Josh McMillan, the fifth-year senior. Uh, but then when you get to that three, four, five spots in that order at inside linebacker, Markel Benton has been right up there in that mix um, to this point through spring and through the first couple of practices. Um, but can he stay there? Can Shane Lee make a run? Now, these are things we're going to find out between the second-year players. I think Moody and Cahoe are going to get um, an opportunity to make a push there. It's going to be up to them to capitalize on it. Ryan, I don't know if it's really settled yet and it's in terms of Trey Sanders holding on to the third running back spot. I think, you know, it's being presented to him in a way that he's still got to go win that. Um, and I don't think the coaches are probably saying, hey, Trey, just shoot for the third running back spot and you know, don't worry about second or first. I mean, 
obviously they're trying to put everything on the table in front of the talented freshmen. Uh, and we've talked about it, and the expectation being that Trey Sanders would likely be the third guy when this team goes to Atlanta to take on Duke. Uh, again, scrimmage on Saturday, scrimmage the next two Saturdays. It's going to be huge in sort of defining those roles uh, as we move through August and get ready for uh, Labor Day weekend. Pat Sertan, is he going to have a breakout year? You know, I think you could say that, Zach, for both those corners. I think because of the injury last year, I think I've said it before, I think Trayvon Diggs was on his way to that last year as a junior. But because of the injury, shortened his junior season, here he is back for his senior campaign. I think both those corners have a chance to become a duo regarded by a lot of people as one of the very best in the country. And that's no knock on the fine corners at LSU where you're going to have Christian Fulton. Um, you're also going to have a true freshman in Derek Stingley that huge things are expected from over in Baton Rouge. But I think with the experience Sertan got last year um, and with what Diggs is, is capable of and what we saw from Diggs even in the open practice on Saturday working against Jerry Judy a couple times, he was perfect in coverage. So I think both those guys uh, qualify maybe for that. What's going to be interesting there is that star situation. You know, we've seen Sertan at the star a lot since last spring, and maybe it's going to be Sertan this year that goes inside to the star position in the nickel and the dime, and Josh Job comes on at the other corner opposite Diggs. Ryan, I'd say Alex Leatherwood is, is looking about the way you would expect him to look uh, at left tackle. That's what he was recruited to come to Alabama to do. Uh, he was needed at right guard last year, stepped in there and, and filled that void, filled that role alongside Jedrick Wills. Um, but Alex Leatherwood is at Alabama to play offensive tackle. You know, whether it was left tackle or right tackle, uh, the expectation was always that it would be the left side. Uh, and at this point, there hasn't been any reason to think that uh, you know he won't be the guy there this season and perhaps have a decision to make in terms of the National Football League following the upcoming season. Evan Neal is going to be interesting to track. And again, these two scrimmages, we've seen it in the past with the offensive line. I think a lot of people work under the, the assumption that the group that comes out of spring is pretty much the group uh, that you're going to see in the season opener. And time and time again in the in the fall camps, we've seen it where you know there's experimentation a couple of scrimmages into this thing and still trying to find that right combination. I think Evan Neal has a chance at left guard. Um, you know, the, the way I could see that unfolding, if he does win the job at left guard, it might require the staff feeling better about Emil Echior at center, which would sort of free up that left guard position potentially to Evan Neal uh, and then have Matt Womack or another player at right guard, that sort of combination. But, you know, it's possible perhaps that Evan Neal could prove just too good regardless that you can't keep him out of the lineup even if Chris Owens is your starter at center. So a couple different scenarios you could see there to maybe facilitate that. But bright future regardless, you know, with the potential of both those tackles um, to leave after this season, you know, it's going to happen sooner rather than later for Evan Neal, whether it's tackle or guard. 
yeah, we're seeing Shaheem Carter out there. You know, he's still working with the safeties while we're out there. But in terms of the first individual drills, when they go more to a secondary look, you know, they bring the corners and the safeties together, we see them uh, at star as much as just about anything else. So it just speaks to the potential combinations that they have out there. You've heard it time and time again, whether it's the offensive line that we just talked about or, um, you know, other positions. They're looking to get their best groups on the field. And, you know, that's where Shy's versatility is so handy because, you know, if they're better with Sertan and uh, Diggs outside playing man coverage and Shy in the slot playing star with Maiden and Xavier McKinney um, at safety, that's great. Uh, but then, you know, when they go dime, I would think in that scenario, their sixth defensive back would still be Josh Job. So uh, they would probably look at maybe Shy Carter going from star to safety. We saw that last year. You know, Shy kind of shifted between star and safety. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could be counted on to do the same thing this year. My man CV Partridge is checking in from Iceland. Man, heard that's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, CV wants to know from Iceland. Even in Iceland, they're asking about the Alabama kicking game. Um, all we've seen from the media perspective to this point is punting on Saturday, and we talked about that the last couple of days. Thought Will Riker looked really solid in that regard, competing with Skyward along. Place kicking, again, another thing that I'm sure they'll roll out there on Saturday in more live situations in a scrimmage uh, setting. Yeah, Vince, Latou, uh, Cameron Latou, we're still seeing him at tight end. Saw him out there today. Um, you know, he's very much in that mix. <laughs> Barry says, is that like icing the kicker? Ha-ha, good one, Barry, from Iceland, icing the kicker. Um, you know, here's the concern with Miller Forstall. Again, we saw him out there today working with the training staff, but – the concern with, say, Major Tennyson behind Forrestal is from day one, we've seen Tennyson out there with a hamstring support on, and they may be sort of monitoring his reps a little bit as well because you don't need Tennyson to fully pop a hamstring or sustain an injury of some kind because then, you know, yes, Forrestal should be back at some point in the future. Uh, but then you're you're sort of down to a couple of three tight ends. And then some of that uh, four wide receiver personnel that some of you seem to be just hankering for. You may not have any choice at that point. Although, again, I would tend to uh, think that, as I've talked about, Brian Robinson with his versatility at running back could help you cover as an H or in some situations that extra guy or a second back. Um, to give you more of, of that look that, that Nick Saban prefers. Um, so, you know, Cameron Latou is is right there, but so is uh, Giles Amos, the walk-on. Um, Jalil Billingsley, whether he's ready or not, you know, there's a chance that – a good chance I would think you're going to see him at some point this year. You got that four-game rule. That helps you uh, in case you, you do get the opportunity to maybe save – a guy like Billingsley, a year of eligibility. That's kind of where it's at, at, at tight end. We're back, Rock. Welcome. It is here. <laughs> 
CV from Iceland. He wants to know about the chances of Miller Lite being served in Bryant-Denny Stadium in the near future. Well, you know, if you're in the club sections, CV, you're already getting the cold beer and the liquor. Um, in the zone, you can bring your own. You got your own liquor locker. Now, in terms of the public seating areas, public areas, um, I don't, it's not gonna happen this year. And then I think Alabama will probably take more of a wait and see approach. Uh, Alabama wasn't as much in the forefront of trying to make this happen in the Southeastern Conference as say LSU, which I know, that's a shocker, right? That they're gonna have a beta turbo dog uh, at Tiger Stadium this fall. Well, it, it's, it's to be determined, I'd say, with Alabama in the public seating areas. Tyler, there's not a QB battle. I don't know. You, you, this is the Alabama chat. <laughs> I think Tyler's talking about from a depth standpoint. And you know, I talked about Talia Tonga-Vailoa earlier. Uh, again, I, it looks to me like he had a really good summer in getting that body more of where it needed to be. Uh, but I still think right now it's Mac Jones uh, that is the, the leading candidate for that backup job. You're going to have – I keep going back to the scrimmages, but they're really that important. And I don't want to overemphasize scrimmages because every day they're charting everything. You know, they're doing 11-on-11 stuff every day. So it's not like they just kind of go out there and do individual drills for an hour and 50 minutes and go, okay, well – we get to the scrimmage Saturday, it's going to be on the line. I mean, it's it's on the line every day. But, you know, as you'll hear Nick Saban say, scrimmages sort of take it to another level, not just because of the, 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 the play, but how things are controlled from a coaching perspective. You don't have Steve Sarkeesian standing right behind you on the field in a scrimmage. It, it gives a bigger, clearer picture of where you're at in your development because you've got to be able to handle things sort of on the fly without the training wheels, so to speak, of having not only Steve Sarkeesian right there, but Tino Sunseri, a grad assistant, uh, is back there with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, you don't have the benefit of all that. It really reveals all warts when you put quarterbacks, especially uh, in a scrimmage situation. Scott wanting to know about the prospects of a 1,000-yard rusher, and I had this stat not long ago that each of Nick Saban's national championship teams at Alabama had a 1,000-yard rusher. The four years that he's not had a 1,000-yard rusher at Alabama, Crimson Tide did not win a national championship. So when you look at it like that, it sounds like sort of a – requisite for a national championship team at Alabama under Nick Saban. I don't think I would go that far. I mean, because you've had years here, 2014, for instance, you had two guys in TJ Yeldon and Derrick Henry who went for 990. So you didn't have a thousand yard rusher, but you had two guys go for 990. So that wasn't the reason, I guess is what I'm saying, that Alabama didn't win a national championship in 2014. Ultimately, um, that team ran into a very hot Ohio State team in the Sugar Bowl um, with a third-team quarterback that nobody had really seen much of that was playing out of his mind 
at the time. And Alabama had some injuries in that game. And Alabama probably defensively just wasn't good enough um, that year. 2014 Alabama was kind of similar to 2018 Alabama that way. Ultimately, you know, some deficiencies combined with an injury or two um, late in the season. And it happened actually, I would say, even in the game against Ohio State, that was the case, caught up with them. Um, so, yeah, I think that Najee Harris could very much run. If, if you wanted to give Najee Harris the ball 250 times this year, sure. I think Najee Harris can go for 1,000 yards. The the bigger, bigger thing of late has been since Derrick Henry in 2015, the running back position I don't think has had a guy with – much more than 150 carries in a season. If, if they surpassed, if Damian Harris surpassed 150 carries. So that's been more of it than anything. Tyler, Justin Aboigby, I've said it before, he doesn't look like a true freshman. And uh, I don't know if he looks like Jadeveon Clowney. You know, Clowney's more of a longer, um, leaner type. When I look at Justin Aboigby, I see more along the lines of a Damian Square. I talked about it on my radio show earlier today. And part of that is he wears the same number as Damian Square. But the pipes, you know, he is built. He is a big dude. And um, body type-wise reminds me of that. He is a very impressive guy to look at. But as I've said the last few times on these, I'm as impressed by a young guy like that's willingness to be coached from what I've seen. You know, and we're not out there for all the practices, but when we're out there or when I've watched him, uh, he's always in search of, you know, coaching and how he can get better. Kenyatta, I think the secondary, the first five or six, have a chance to be what you're used to seeing from Alabama. I really do, and it starts at corner. You know, when you've got two guys that are 6'2", 200 pounds, can play man coverage, uh, against any wide receivers, and that's the other side of this. These guys get to work against the best wide receiving core by far in college football on a daily basis. So the old iron sharpens iron adage, yeah, it's very much in play at Alabama. Um, I like the two corners. Job has a, a lot of great potential as that third corner. Um, I think they have three capable safety types. I think Xavier McKinney is an All-American type. I think Shaheem Carter is an All-SEC type. And I think Jared Maiden could prove to be, uh, you know, on that sort of level himself. Um, so that's six. They've got six they can play with. Now, trying to figure out some depth, but even there you're talking about some talented guys. You know, I think Eddie Smith's going to continue to come along at safety. Daniel Wright is there for you as a depth provider at safety. The only thing about safety, the thing that makes me wonder about safety is who's going to be – is Xavier McKinney going to be a legit middle-of-the-field safety? And what I'm talking about is having that range sideline to sideline like you saw with Deontay Thompson, um, especially early last season. That's why I continue – and maybe Jared Maiden's that guy too because Jared Maiden has corner experience in his background as well. But – Shaheem Carter, to me, I just think in in middle-of-the-field situations when there's the opportunity to go make a play, um, you know, that could be Shaheem Carter. But, you know, we see Jared Maiden on Saturday in the open practice make a really nice pick at Tuatanga-Vailoa. So 
it just sort of reaffirms the notion that they're going to be fine beyond Xavier McKinney at safety. Saban's feel for this team, I guess the most positive thing you've heard from that standpoint uh, through four days of camp was when he talked about the conditioning level of this team in comparison to some previous teams because, look, with Scott Cochran here, they don't have teams just roll up for the first day of camp kind of, you know, with guts and, you know, bags of Taco Bell or something. I mean, the nutrition staff they've got here, um, the strength and conditioning staff, they're always going to be in shape. I think there's another level to that, though, that speaks to the mindset of a team, and that's what I took away from Saban's comments on that, is kind of making your ears perk up a little bit that, that the message that he had been trying to get across since Clemson maybe, at least through the offseason, uh, took with this next team. Dennis asking about Landon Dickerson, the big boy, as Dennis calls him, from Florida State. Um, I, he's We talked about it earlier. He's in that mix, uh, I think, at the guard competition. It's hard for me to think Matt Womack if he stays healthy, and that's been a little bit of an issue for Matt the last couple of years with the foot deal. Um, if Matt Womack's healthy, uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine Matt Womack not being the guy at right guard against Duke, but you know, I think Dickerson will, will get a, a shot um, here in the next couple of weeks with the scrimmages coming up to see what he can do. I mean, he is he is he's six 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 seven, three hundred eight pounds. I mean, as physically to look at impressive as as any guy they've got right now. But they've got a lot of dudes like that. You know, if Matt Womack wasn't six seven, three ten, or whatever Matt is, three fifteen. Landon Dickerson would probably stand out even more, but you know Matt's not exactly a bantamweight. Tyler asking about Jerez Parks and maybe a comp. You know, I don't, I don't really have one that comes to mind initially in terms of, in terms of body type. Um, he's more one of those outside linebackers along the lines of Christopher Allen. Maybe a little bit of Anthony Jennings, Courtney Upshaw, kind of going back to that sort of dude. Um, even D'Amico Ryan's a little bit. I'm just talking about in, in body type, I'm not talking about an ability or future production or any of those things. Um, but you can see this guy's got some – he's got some ability. If, if Jerez Parks doesn't contribute, it's not going to be because, wow, they just – they whiffed on this guy as a talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chris and, and Tua are, are fine. I mean, they're guys that have been around. That's the biggest thing. You know, that's always an advantage when you have a center that's a fourth or fifth-year guy and a, and a quarterback going into his third year and his second year as a starter. You typically don't have to worry about that as much. I, I think nowadays with centers, the things you got to worry about first are, as crazy as it sounds, is shotgun snaps. Sounds easy, but, you know, that was something Ross Pierce Baker really had to improve on from his first attempt at winning the uh, center job back in what? What was that, 2016? We thought Ross Pierce Baker was going to be the center. In the spring of that year, you could see in the 8A game that it wasn't easy for him. But he got it. And I haven't seen anything from Chris Owens, at least yet, that tells me 
that'll be a problem. So I think they're fine. At this point in camp, where do you think the greatest concern for this team is at? Um, I think you still got a you know, weak side linebacker. You, know, you need to, to feel good about that coming out, and perhaps that's going to be Josh McMillan. Um, tight end situation right now. It's good seeing Miller Forrestall back outside at least uh, with training staff trying to move around a little bit. That would seem to speak to a future return. We're still not entirely sure when that will be, but just the, uh, the overall situation at tight end right now, I think everywhere else you feel pretty good. I mean, you'd like to have LeBron Ray back as soon as possible, obviously, but again, with this uh, injection of six newcomers, I think Alabama's depth up front is going to be a real benefit in time. It, it may take a little bit, but I don't think it's going to take long. And that's where you can also cover for some things um, with your edge pass rush if it comes down to it. If you do have another injury or two at outside linebacker, I think the way that this team may be able to cover for that more so than last year is that it may end up having more guys ultimately from the interior they can get after the quarterback. I know that sounds crazy because what – didn't Isaiah Bugs lead the team in sacks, I want to say, from defensive end position? And Quinnen Williams obviously was very disruptive, but just in terms of sheer numbers, talented numbers, um, this, is, this is a group that has that kind of potential. Ooh, we're getting into the secondary tier of receivers now. Um, I think it's really good because your first four are all legitimate number one receiver types um, if you talk about in the SEC or really just about anywhere else. So then you get down to the five spot, and that's where you could potentially have John Mechie. Um, you know, Xavier Williams is a solid player. Tyrell Shavers is a solid player. Slade Bolden, um, you know, Chadarius Townsend back with the wide receivers. Uh, yeah, that depth, that secondary tier, if it comes down to it, should be just fine. As far as we can tell, the, the the coaching staff seems to be on a on a good wavelength. We've heard that from Nick Saban. I've said it before. You'll really find out, you know, how together a staff truly is once you get down to the stretch, um, and the potential for distractions start to creep in. You know, you're going to have the national title game later this year, and I know this is sort of hashtag Alabama probs. But in that scenario, if Alabama's back in that game again this year, you know, you're going to have even more time for coaching changes at other places and how that impacts your staff because now they're up for jobs at other places like Alabama incurred this last time around. So, you know, you, you don't really find out about that probably until that, that process comes about. All right, look, I'm going to get out of here, I think. I appreciate you guys and gals, as always, joining us here on Instant Analysis. Always a lot of fun. Charlie Potter's practice report is already up on the website. If you haven't already, you need to check that out. Denon McMillan taking pictures out there today, so he'll have a photo gallery. I'm going to have video of some defensive backs, of some receivers, of some quarterbacks, and some receivers. I'm going to take you right into basically the huddle almost in some of this video at the quarterback position. And you can check out those guys and tell me if I'm right or wrong about Talia 
Tonga Vailoa in his offseason. As always, this will drop to the Built by Bama Online podcast library. If you haven't already, please give us a subscription. Leave us a five-star review. We would certainly appreciate that as well. We'll do this again tomorrow afternoon following the media viewing periods at Wednesday's practice. Until then, have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.